My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Martin Luther King Jr. This is one of my all-time favorite quotes, namely because the opposite is also true. Our lives really begin and sparkle and feel authentic when we speak up about things and celebrate the things that do matter. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today is the 32nd Martin Luther King Day. How incredible, and what an incredible, world-changing man to celebrate. Have you seen the movie Selma? If you haven't, please, please see it. It is an incredible film. It's beautifully done, and it is such an important true story. In light of it, and sort of thinking about much of the kind of racially driven uh, conflicts and tragedies we've had in our culture lately, uh, which we explored on December 15th here, I've wondered what Dr. King would say about it all if he were alive today. So I did a bit of searching and found out that Anderson Cooper asked the late Maya Angelou that very question. For you on this day, what does Dr. King's dream mean today? What, what, What do you think is the march's significance today? Well, I think that at once I'm delighted that he had the dream. I'm delighted that if he awakened right now, he could also say, ah, some of my dream has come to pass, and see that their African-American family at, in, in the White House, a man and, and, and a man and a woman and their children and a grandmother, a black grandmother in the White House, my goodness, at the same time, I think he would be disappointed to hear we have not come any farther. And so my, my hope is that the dream, we can awaken from the dream and find that some of the elements of the dream have come to pass. You don't believe that there is true equality yet? Oh, I know there isn't, and you know there isn't, and everybody who hears you knows there isn't. And yet this is what we have to have. The only thing is, Mr. Cooper, people have to develop courage. It is most important of all the virtues, because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can be anything erratically and in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. But to be that thing in your heart, you have to have courage. And so I'm afraid that we we are lacking in courage. We think we are afraid. And fear, I'm sorry to say, motivates most of the cruelties in our world. Powerful words there. Love and courage. That's what I think of when I think about Martin Luther King Jr. Having the courage to embrace and love ourselves is also vitally important. In fact, I believe it's the most important first step and that the cliche is true. We have to love ourselves before we can love another. And I really believe that insecurity and a lack of self-love underlies a great deal of the ignorance and inequality in our culture. I spent this past weekend with some 
truly courageous, loving souls, speaking of which, at the Sexual Health Expo here in L.A. It's one reason that I might sound the slightest bit hoarse and a little bit tired, but I'm always excited to talk to you. So it was like better than coffee on steroids coming into to, to the microphone today. Uh, I had so much fun. It's totally worth the uh, little grogginess. I had the honor of speaking also about sex, diet, and body image, which was so much fun for me. Thank you, everyone who attended. I shared five diet don'ts and healthy alternatives for improved sexual wellness. I'll share some highlights from my talk on my blog soon. Uh, I also met some fabulous people sex-positive experts, entrepreneurs from all over the place, many of whom I plan to bring in for some incredibly spicy, fun, inspirational, and really thought-provoking shows. And one of the biggest highlights for me, actually, of perhaps this year so far, actually, for sure, of this year so far, was meeting some Girl Boner fans in person. Kate, Kelsey, and JJ, you gave my heart a boner. I'm not kidding you. By telling me that your girl boner uh, parties that you have are something that you guys look forward to every week, uh, to know that somebody is celebrating what we talk about here and that kind of dedication just totally rocks my world. You're just so sweet. If one of you would send me your mailing address through my website, augustmclaughlin.com, I would love to send you some girl boner swag. I would have mentioned that, but I was so excited and I probably squealed in your ears and sorry if that hurt. I try not to do that on the air. So you're probably like, wow, she's really loud in person. But I was just, I was really, really excited and just really touched by your enthusiasm. So thank you so much for for coming up and speaking to me and for your ongoing support. I hope you are partying now because I have a feeling you are going to love today's guest. Dr. Jane Greer is a nationally renowned relationship expert, marriage and family therapist, sex expert, author, blogger, and radio host. She's the creator of the popular celebrity sex and relationship commentary, Shrink Wrap with Jane Greer, on what we can learn from the trials and triumphs of celebrity relationships. Her Doctor on Call radio hour airs every Tuesday at HealthyLife.net and is filled with meaningful conversations on health, life, love with actors, authors, bloggers, all kinds of wonderful experts. Her Huffington Post uh, on-call show features bloggers and editors from HuffPo and Shrinkwrap on-call features writers, producers, celebrities, and other experts in the world of entertainment. They're all discussing the hottest breaking news, relationship problems, and what those mean to all of us. On the last Tuesday of each month, listen to Let's Talk Sex. I'm obviously biased for this one, but it is fantastic, and I actually had the honor of of appearing on this wonderful show. It features cutting-edge conversations on sex and intimacy. Dr. Greer's newest book, What About Me? Stop Selfishness from Ruining Your Relationship, is available nationwide and full of wonderful insight. I am so honored to have you here, Dr. Greer. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, but your show back in November 2013 was my first radio appearance since I had started my Girl Boner series. So I had such a fun time, and it was so inspiring. So I have to thank you again for that opportunity. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to have you. It was so great to meet you. I think we met at World Sex uh, Health. Night. Yes, we and, did. Uh, we, were, we were discussing all the sexual, relevant sexual issues around the world, not only in our country, but globally. And it was you were one of the treats of the night to find another amazing professional who's out there and writing and raising consciousness and heightening women's self-esteem and sex, 
sexual self-esteem and awareness. So it was, it was really a wonderful night and opportunity. Oh, that means so much to me to hear that from you. Uh, you have this fabulous uh, pretty new TV program now, which I watched this morning. It's fantastic. For those of you who have not seen this, could you share what is Shrink Wrap? Well, Shrink Wrap is it's basically taking, we, it, it's a blog, it's a webisode, it's a commentary on the social media of all the celebrities, what their trials and triumphs are, and most importantly, what can you learn from them? You know, we're all fascinated by celebrities. We watch them on the red carpet, we watch them get awards, we watch them when they plummet and fall, and we, you know, we want to know why. How come they are doing so wonderfully? How come they're doing so terribly? And there's no other place people want to be than a front row seat. If there's a problem, if there's a, a conflict, if there's stress, somebody's getting married that's a celebrity, somebody's getting divorced. So I was curious and I wondered over all the years I've been commenting on the, the celebrities and their lives, and I thought, you know what, there is a reason that we are also fascinated and intrigued by that celebrity lifestyle, and that is because when we see what they're dealing with, we realize that, you know what, they're just like us. They're just people. They have a certain kind of lifestyle and profession that gives them certain pleasures of life, but when all is said and done, they're people with relationship issues and problems and health concerns and family troubles. And there's something very heartening, very much like the old days when we used to watch the soap operas to see how was the problem going to get resolved on the soap opera. There's something very heartening about seeing a celebrity resolve the situation or the issue because it becomes very motivating and, and sometimes inspiring. Well, if they can deal with it and handle it, so can I. And that was really the, the crux of the thinking that launched the shrink wrap blogs in terms of, well, all right, if Angelina Jolie is going through a, a separation and a divorce, if she's being called the other woman, if you're dealing with something similar to that, what does it mean for you? And, and what I do in my blogs and in the webisodes is really offer advice relevant and pertinent to you. I'm less concerned with how the celebrity is dealing with a particular situation, much more concerned with what's to take away. If you're dealing with blended family, if you're dealing with financial woes, if you're dealing with losing a job, are you trying to get along and work with your partner like Beyonce and Jay-Z? Are you, know, are you in the midst of a, a midterm divorce, a, a midterm life divorce after 15, 20 years like Nicholas Sparks and Chris Rock? Well, how come, and most importantly, how do you cope with it? So that, that's what really launched the, the Shrewd media commentary. How fascinating. And I love that it turns something that is, you know, basically curiosity or, like you said, fascination uh, into something that is empowering in our own lives, which is which is just awesome. Are you noticing that there are some themes or what are some of the, I guess, biggest takeaways that you've been finding that we can learn from these uh, celebrity relationships? Well, I think, you know, the most important ones really revolve around the relationship and the family, the marriages and relationships and family. And what we really see heightened, you know, when, when a couple gets married or is living together, everybody starts out with the best of intentions and the willingness to compromise and sacrifice and do whatever it takes to devote time, devote energy 
to make the relationship work. And then, of course, life intrudes, real-life responsibilities get into the way and demands are made, and suddenly one person is much less willing to give up their time or sacrifice their preference or their need. And what we see with the celebrities is that the demand and the necessity of compromise and a willingness for flexibility is so much more imperative because their lives are so intense and so fast and they're both very big personalities very often in, in a relationship. And so there, there really has to be the willingness to work as a team and as a pair. And for a lot of celebrity couples, that's very difficult to find that middle ground. For some, it comes readily and easily, just like the rest of us. For others, it does not. And I think by looking at how that partnership is crafted and formed, it really does help people appreciate that if you if you really want a relationship and you want to be in it and you want it to work, you have to be willing to compromise. I don't say sacrifice because sacrifice to me means giving up the essence of what's important to you. But I do say compromise, meaning you put aside your own need in the moment for the greater need of your of the couple, of the of the team, of the we that you're involved in. And I think by looking at that, that really becomes the most important theme across the board in all the celebrity issues that that are being dealt with. I love that. And it's so interesting when you said sacrifice, that seems to have a negative connotation in my mind. And when I think compromise, I think that is something that I want to it's 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 something that hopefully we want to do and and find pleasure in because we care so much about the relationship and about the person, you know, rather than saying I'm going to give up this this part of myself. So that's that's such an important distinction. I hadn't thought about that. I imagine there are some uh, challenges as well as there are with any kind of uh, writing and um, commentary and kind of um, analyzing this kind of uh, relationship work that you do. When it comes to writing specifically about uh, celebrity relationships, have you found that parts of that are particularly challenging? You know, not, not, not really, because, again, when you, when you think of celebrities as people who are very ambitious and very talented and willing to go the distance, there's a lot that we do look up to and admire and can learn from them. And yet, when all is said and done, in order to be a, a, a successful actor, actress, athlete, you really have to pull from your internal resources, from your emotional energy, from your determination, from your stamina, and your vulnerabilities. And so I think that, you know, when celebrities are able to deal with their vulnerabilities and and find that balance, that we can really, like you were saying before, that you enjoyed doing the show and it became inspirational for you saying, you know what, this is something that is so relevant and so um, interesting that I think I'd like to do that as well. That's the very goal of Shrink Wrap, that by seeing the stamina, the resilience, the willingness to deal with difficulties and conflict and stress and pressures and demands and expectations and, you know, the fan mentality, how great are you going to be? And we, you know, we, we don't want you to be doing that. And being able to balance all of that and still hold on to that inner core self, there's something very heartening uh, for all of us. Absolutely. I've always thought of fame as sort of a magnifying glass. It 
it doesn't necessarily change the core of who you are, but it brings so much light to all of those things, the, the good and the challenges and uh, the vulnerability you mentioned. It's interesting because when I was working as a model and actress before all of my um, radio and, and writing work, I was struck by the fact that celebrities, for some reason, I think that we have this perception sometimes that maybe they aren't insecure, which they're humans. So, of course, you know, they have the same kinds of issues that we have and and, and all of that. And I think that it just you know, all that added attention can make it pretty challenging. And it's always so refreshing when we do see that vulnerability and say, you know, I relate to that person. And there's real beauty, I think, in, in showing our vulnerability. Is there a, a favorite celebrity that you've written about? A favorite celebrity? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think who we can all learn from and, and that there's a lot to be said has been Beyonce because she's such a big talent and has been balancing her, not only her talent and her success, but her working, you know, with her husband in the entertainment industry. And it really is, it's, it's quite a role model for so many people out there in terms of being in a relationship, being true to yourself, being able to pursue your own success and balancing it with a partnership and working with the, your significant other. Um, I think you know, the, the, the celebrities that we learn the most from are the ones who keep making the news. I think Jennifer Aniston has been really um, a role model in many ways because she's, she's worn her heart on her sleeve throughout the years. She survived an extraordinarily difficult betrayal and made her way back from it with grace and dignity and, you know, really took the time she needed to heal and went out there and, and, and did her dating and, you know, really showed people, I might be the top, one of the top actresses and making a huge salary, but you know what? My heart was broken. I've got to heal. I've got to deal. And I've got to feel. And she did just that, played it out across the, you know, the, the pages of the country for everybody to have commentary on her love life, her dating life, but, but finally got to a place where she was able to, you know, have her world rebuilt and be happy in it. And that is no, no easy task. I mean, recovering from betrayal, uh, having written a book on it, How Could You Do This to Me, is one of the most devastating life experiences because there's not just the how this person could have betrayed. It's not just what they did if they were with somebody else that's so damaging. It's the fact that they would lie to you and, and that suddenly who you thought they were and who you knew this person to be was somebody completely different. And so seeing her recover, go down that road of recovery and heal, I think she's really been, um, you know, one of those actors and celebrities that through their own life experience and being out in, in, in the public eye has really modeled the way to cope with a uh, very difficult experience. I really respect and admire her, too, in, in so many ways. Uh, you mentioned the um, you know betrayal and how difficult it is to move past that. I know so many people deal with that. How, how do people, like what do you recommend to people when they are going through, uh, they've either, you know, their, their spouse has, has cheated and either they're trying to repair the relationship or perhaps just trying to love someone else, what are some steps that people can take that help that process? 
Well, that's a great question, August. And, you know, this is one of the most difficult things to find your way back from after the trail. But the first and the foremost thing is if you're going to make the relationship work, if the relationship is going to be something that you want to keep and stay in, then the person who cheated has to be willing to take on the responsibility and the heavy load of repairing the damage that they caused. And that starts, it doesn't end, it starts with the apology. And for so many people, so many times, they feel so badly. Almost every person that I've ever dealt with who was cheated has prefaced what they're doing by way of saying, you know, I'm a good person, but... And then there's this whole other facet of their life and this other relationship outside their marriage. And so because most of the people who cheat are good people and do feel like a good that they're a good person, it's just that they're behaving in some bad behavior as, as such. They want it to be over. They want to apologize and be done with it and move on. Truth is, is that it's not an apology that will even remotely begin to uh, mend the, the depth of the wound and the cut to the heart that takes place. It's repeated apologies for however long it might take for your partner to really believe that you are genuinely sorry and feel their pain. And that's only the first step. Following the apology comes being able to now rebuild the trust that you broke. And that means it's the antithesis of, of infidelity is when you're cheating, you hide everything and keep everything to yourself and keep things from your partner. Well, when you've been discovered and you are genuinely looking to rebuild that relationship, you need to open up, open up your computer, open up your your iPhone, your your emails, your text. You need to be visible and present so that none of the suspicions where are you going, what are you doing, that were alive and tormenting before the affair was discovered are at play. So your partner, if you say I'm going out to you know to meet friends, you want to come, I'm going out here, you want to see that kind of accountability and willingness to be open goes a tremendous way towards rebuilding trust. And then there's the empathy, which is crucial, that it's not just I'm sorry for what I did, it's I'm so sorry to have caused you this pain. I know how awful this is and I feel terrible. It's really sharing with your partner the understanding on an emotional level of how much anguish and pain and torment you have, you have caused them. And also, in terms of being open, being willing to answer whatever questions you're asked, no matter how difficult they are, letting your partner know what actually went down and took place is far less torturous than the loop in their head where they replay over and over what they think might have gone on or what they fear might have gone on. So these are the beginning steps towards healing infidelity. And once you get through all of them, then very often I say the person who's cheated was unhappy before they cheated. Then you can get to the problems that might have led you to stray in the first place. But first, you've got to do all that damage. Control. Wow. Interesting. It's so nice to know that there are those steps, you know, that there is hope. And as long as you're willing to do the work, which kind of ties into uh, our next topic, which you have a wonderful book about that I mentioned, uh, What About Me? Stop Selfishness from Ruining Your Relationship. And you talked a little bit about this subject uh, at World Sexual Health Day, I remember, and I thought it was so poignant. Uh, I know we, we all are 
somewhat selfish, aren't we? I mean, how, how do we find that place where we are, uh, t- you know, taking care of ourselves so that we can be good people and contribute to the world and our relationships, but at the same time, uh, you know, not, not letting uh, selfishness kind of overtake us? That's a great question, and it's one of the most challenging aspects of every relationship because, as I had mentioned earlier, when you start in a relationship and you love the other person and you've got their happiness and you want the best for them and you just want the relationship to flourish, you're so much more willing to be flexible, to compromise, to give up, put your need aside because it's going to make your partner happy. Over the course of time, though, if you start to put too much of your needs and too much of yourself aside to please your partner, you start to become a giver. If you take it to the extreme, you become what I call in my book the martyr. And if you're the person who is putting their needs front and center, you become the taker. And if you go all the way to the end, you become the user where your needs are just front and center at the expense of any kind of partnership or we. We will do this, we will do that. It becomes more me. And it's very hard to find a balance where both people feel their needs are being heard by one another and are being met so that one person is not the martyr and the other person is not the taker all the time. And to be able to flip the roles around, because in a healthy relationship, it's important for each person to be giving and each person to be taking. And so being able to talk about your needs being able to come up with and have a working definition and feeling of we. All right, I will give up spending extra money on going out to entertainment or on shopping this month because we want to get a house or we want to start a family or we want to take a vacation. So that rather than it feeling like a sacrifice that you have to give up your pleasures, it feels like a compromise that you'll give up certain things in the here and now, in the interest of the we, what you will both share later. And when it goes too far, if you're the person who's giving up everything, if you become the martyr in the relationship and and your partner is just expecting, 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 then I talk about developing selfness, not selfishness, but selfness, S-E-L-F-N-E-S-S, where you start to think of yourself and you put yourself first because So many times people think, oh, they're being selfish if they put themselves first. And I will say, no, you have put yourself so last for so long that you lost yourself. And now we need to get you some selfness. You need to start to take up some space and get back on the page and speak to your needs and advocate for them. And what happens in relationships where one person loses their self and does not have selfness and becomes the martyr, Over time, they can become so unhappy in a relationship that the relationships can become really lopsided and imbalanced, and either one or both people can become vulnerable to the attention and the affections of other people. Wow. That is fascinating, and it's really resonating with me because I, in the past, had this pattern of being the martyr in a relationship, and it was interesting to me because I... I, I couldn't figure it out at first. I would be in the relationship, and it's all exciting at first, and we have all these wonderful, you know, falling in love hormones flying around. And then gradually I would start to feel like I was losing myself. And it took me some time and trials and errors to figure out that I wasn't taking care of myself, and I needed to actually have some 
empowered single time to become stronger in myself because I realized I was letting that happen. You know, it's um, something that I think can happen, kind of sneak up on us. So what are some of the signs that, that you have an imbalanced relationship like that? Great question, August. And I think the first thing is, you know, what we were saying earlier, the difference between the distinction between sacrifice and compromise. Compromise is made by choice. You're doing it because you want to. Yes, you're giving up something you want, but you're doing it by your choice. Sacrifice, you feel like you have no choice, you resent it, and you start to feel like you're losing your own self-expression. So if you've got a partner who doesn't necessarily like the way you dress or the coat you bought and is telling you, I don't like it, take it back, and you go along with that, then you're losing your self-expression at that point. If you always want to go to the beach and every trip your partner saying, no, we'll go skiing, we'll go to the beach next time, and you say, oh, okay, because you say, oh, I don't want to start an argument, I don't want to start a fight, it's not worth it, you're losing yourself. If you don't want to go out to dinner and he wants to go out to dinner and you're tired and you're exhausted or vice versa, you know, and the same thing with sex, if you're finding yourself being sexually uh, responsive to your partner's needs at the expense of your own needs, these are all indicators that you're losing your voice, you're losing your self-expression, you're losing a sense of connectedness to who you are and what gives you pleasure and what makes you feel good about yourself. And that's the point that your red flag wants to go up. I see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I know you have a quiz on your website, on your uh, your drjanegreer.com, uh, where people can actually uh, check out their own level of, of selfishness, which actually is a pretty fun quiz to take. Um, and also, I'm curious, so once we see these red flags, the communication always seems to be so important and also a challenge just to get started. Any quick tips on, like, you know, if it's something you've never talked about, I could see it being kind of awkward to, to bring up. How do you bring up something like that? Another great question. You say, you know what, I've been giving a lot of thought to this, and I realize we've never talked about this directly together. And I think we keep it in the we as the first tip. I think we could really benefit by having a conversation about what's important to you, what you want to be doing, what's important to me, and finding a middle ground so that you get some of what you want and I feel like some of what I want is coming into play. So always start a conversation by way of the we. I've been thinking about it. I'm aware, you know, this goes on for you. I'd like to lend some thoughts. I, I have some ideas how we could change the situation to make it better so that you're talking about your team and partnership. I love that. It's a great almost like relationship mantra. Keep it in the we. Like I feel like if you kept that in mind, it would, it would help a great deal. Before I let you go, this time just goes so quickly when I talk to you. Uh, could you please just tell okay. us a little bit about your book, your wonderful book, um, What About Me? Stop Selfishness from Ruining Your Relationship. Well, it's, you know, Stop Selfishness from Ruining Your Relationship is – where everybody gets to at one point or another, how many people have heard their partner say, you're so selfish, you're so selfish. Oh, it's always about you. What about me? How come it's always what you want? Inevitably, 
knees are going to conflict. And a lot of times I have a chapter called, If You Loved Me, You Would. And that is really the, the battle cry of prove you love me, give up, sacrifice your needs. If you love me, you would stop going to your parents on Sunday for dinners. If you love me, you wouldn't work so hard you'd come home earlier. If you love me, you'd get engaged now. If you love me, we'd have a third baby. If you love me, and I could go on and on and on and on and on, because everybody hits their, their needs against their partner's needs. And very often there are anxieties and fears and other feelings, guilt and all kinds of emotions which come into play that have nothing to do with how that person feels about you. It's not whether they love you or not. Of course, they love you, but their own guilt over dealing with a mother or a father or their own fear over making a commitment when they come from a divorced family or their own anxiety about starting a family or adding a baby to the family because they're not feeling secure in their job and they don't want to tell you some of the issues going on with their boss, all of which has nothing to do with you, and yet people take it very personally. So what I encourage people to do is to get back and stop pitting yourself and your needs against your partner's love for you, and instead... Ask them, what's holding them back? Why is it hard? Does it have to do with the way they feel for you or about you? And if not, is there anything you can do to help? Can you make changes together? And that can help you get through a lot of the, what I call deal-breaker bottom lines, the, you know, the, uh, the big-ticket issues that can tear a marriage or a relationship apart. Beautiful. Wow. I hope everyone out there races off and finds your book and reads it. It is fabulous. Thank you again so much for being here. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations. Good luck with the show. You're super. And here's to lots of great information continuing to get passed on through you and with you. Take good care. Thank you so much. Isn't she fantastic? I just love her. Please go find her book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you can find it. Uh, You'll also be able to learn more and hear some of her fabulous insight on my follow-up blog post. She's answering some after-chat questions, which is always fun. Uh, Definitely check that out and and check out her website, drjanegreer.com. Her last name is G-R-E-E-R, drjanegreer.com. And you can also connect with her on Facebook and Twitter. As a follow-up to our special anniversary episode last week with Margaret Cho, which was so much fun, I asked Wendy Sturgar of Good Clean Love to share some thoughts on the importance of humor within relationships. Most of us take ourselves way too seriously, especially when it comes to our relationships. The more that our heart is bared and the deeper we grow in our commitments, the more we have riding on the outcome. Ironically, instead of helping us to lighten up, our most intimate relationships often push us in the opposite direction of rethinking every comment and misinterpreting unintended meanings. Laughing together is one of the stickiest glues a relationship can generate. Humor and levity both open doors to long-term feelings of pleasure and contentment and are natural stress eliminators. Playfulness in the bedroom can ignite a whole new level of intimacy in a partnership. In fact, the ability to play together sexually is the divine spark of passion. It's kind of like dancing while no one is watching. Spontaneous sexual play is the very opposite of a sexual rut. 
experimenting with costumes, positions, toys, scents, is a veritable playground of sensation and laughter. Playing sexually automatically locks the door on any tendencies of judging yourself or your partner. And when we play, we are free and having fun, all of the magical elements required for sexual pleasure. Playing transports us beyond our fears, expectations, and performance anxiety, because when we play, we are fully present. So commit to adding laughter and play to your relationship, especially in your bedroom, and have fun with it. Lean towards humor, and it will find you, and it will also add years to your loving relationships. Have fun. Lean toward humor. I love that. Another great relationship mantra. We have a couple today. Keep it in the we and our, our wonderful insight on play more from Wendy. That is so important. And by the way, Good Clean Love, I've talked about their wonderful lubricants, the um, organic lube that is the best uh, and totally good for your body, unlike a lot of other lubes out there. But Good Clean Love also has these love oils. And Wendy and I had tables uh, beside each other at um, kind of the networking cocktail hour at the events this weekend. And she brought these love oils. And they are so incredible. She put a a little dot of each one, and they smell really good, uh, the same oil on two different people. And it smells completely different on everyone. I'm not kidding. It is incredible. I actually have a picture. I took a picture of people's faces, their expressions, while this was happening when they were smelling their wrists and someone else's. I put it on Instagram. And it is like, I mean, people were just in awe. It's incredible. And then if you put your wrist next to someone, you get this chemical reaction and it smells different yet again, which Wendy's whole point and their whole product line is is geared to, to let you know about the uniqueness in your own sexual chemistry and that you actually have pheromones already like you don't need to buy them in a bottle or anything so that is so cool right i hope you will check those out goodcleanlove.com if you're enjoying girl boner radio i hope you'll subscribe on itunes leave a rating and review and hop over to my website augustmclaughlin.com for show extras and a whole lot more thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week